Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. Well, hello, Mel. The last time I saw you, we were on a different continent. Yes. I am so confused on the time, but we're back yes. from our Europe trip. Congrats to Constance. Oh, what a wonderful wedding. That was so fun to be a part of that. And most of the time we didn't know what was going on because we don't speak Swedish, but it was so great. Thank you. Um, so do your, do, do your body think it's the wrong o'clock right now? Yeah, I keep waking up at midnight and then two. And then last yeah. night I woke up at three. So it's getting better is what you're saying? Maybe, yeah. How about you? <laughs> same, same. But I've taken advantage of it. I'm like, I am going to wake up at 5 this morning and I'm going to get so much done before my kids are awake. But then it's like 6 p.m. and I'm like, I have to go to bed now. Totally. So. <laughs> well, it was so fun seeing some of our widower friends from Europe. That's yes. what we were doing. I don't even think we told people why we were going, but we went to Constance's wedding and we got to see some of our other friends, which is always a good time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was really fun. I enjoyed myself so much. Um, coming home is always a bummer after you go on a big like excursion and trip like that because you come home to reality and it's like, ugh, there's weeds, there's dishes, there's laundry, there's... There's stuff I can't mention that's very stressful. <laughs> yeah. So but... welcome back to that, Mel. Yeah. Thanks. I'm really yeah. stoked about that. One day I'll tell everybody, but those that know, they already know. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, we're, we're back. And last week we were mid-travel and so we didn't get an episode out because it was a little logistically insane. So sorry about that. Um, school is almost out for the summer for us. So that's going to be a whole thing. And I'm just gearing myself up. You want to know what I started doing? This is my new prank of the internet. What? I'm so sick of social media. So, you know, I already made my account private. And now I'm just getting sick of it in general of like, you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, it's kind of like a journal. Sometimes I'm like, here's just some pictures. And sometimes I'm like, not like random stuff. This time I was just like, I'm going to test people to see how much they think social media is real without actually knowing. 
me. Okay. So I was in a taxi in Norway driving to the airport and there was a a beautiful Norwegian man that was my taxi driver, my same age. <laughs> I wondered who that was. Oh, I didn't even tell you this. Oh, no. here we go. You're learning right in right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was this, you know, they're all really beautiful over there and he was beautiful. Um, and he was telling me all about his life and the things that he does. And he was like very confident. And I'm like, cool. Well, that's awesome. I, I didn't get to see some of the things you're talking about, but maybe next time. I can see it. And he's like, oh, are you coming next year? I need to get your number. And I was like, oh, yes, here we go. I don't even know if I got it. I don't even think it, it happened. But I was like, I think we should take a picture. And so we pull up to the airport. I mean, I was with the guy for like 15 minutes, right? And we just take this selfie. And he looks like he loves that I love him. Yeah. And I just look like I'm smiling. Then what ensued are comments from people. Oh, I need because to go back and look at them. Of course, you know, like if somebody puts a picture up of them with a guy and they're a widow, may, I don't, maybe you're not a widow. Maybe you're just a person or, or whatever. People assume things, but I didn't say anything. I just like put some emoji because I'm like, I'm going to see like just what happens. So freaking funny. Go read my comments. I'm going to. And you'll see who is in the know because some of them messaged me and they're like, what is going on? I'm like, Oh no, this is a prank. Like feel free to go on my Instagram now and comment and you can say whatever you want. Um, but it's just, but you're in prank. love. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> you'll see boyfriend, by the way, anyone listening to this, my Instagram is at Mel Shore. If you're not my friend, you'll have to request me because it's private now, but you're welcome to to go in on the shenanigans if you want. You'll see the picture of the guy, the beautiful man and me, and it looks like we're a couple, but really I'm just like leaning kind of forward in the seat and his head is tipped toward me and he probably thinks I'm going to give him my number, but people are taking it like we're together and that I have this new love of my life <laughs> and it's so funny. So I'm just like, this is why social media is so insane and crazy and like we can't trust it but yeah some people on there uh, that are scott's friends they're like this is what happiness looks like and i'm like what that this guy is on here that he's happy about himself that like he thinks i love him like i don't even know this person please bless though like wouldn't that be the best starting of a hallmark movie if that's how it happened, Mel, and then it turns out that you really do love him in 16 to 18 months, it comes back. Because can we please talk about how you went to Oslo specifically to go skating at a particular skate venue? Indoor skate park, yeah. Just happened to choose the two days of the entire year Other than that Christmas. it's closed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. Yep. So and maybe that- when you go back, you're going to find that guy. Well, I'll have to go to Bergen because he lives in Bergen and he loves Bergen. He's like very, uh, very loyal to Bergen Mm -hmm. and not Oslo. And so, yeah, he was like super stoked on his his community, which is great. That's cool. But I can say that we will never date. He's (laughs) very. He's he's. He is beautiful. He's also. It's not good when you pause and that's the only adjective you can come up with. Somebody. You know, sometimes you see He's people and they're super good looking beautiful. and you're like, that's trouble right there. That's what's happening. <laughs> so that's um, so funny. Yeah. But actually, like I met some new friends in Oslo that were amazing. So I'm totally going to go back. I, I on the end of our trip, you and. Your daughter went home, but I went on an experimental solo female trip to Oslo. First of all, to see if I would get murdered. Second, to see if I would have fun. Number one, did not get murdered. Second, had a lot of fun. So Oslo is so cool. I recommend that if anybody wants to travel solo and they want a European city that's safe and amazing, go to Oslo. So great. Yeah, I loved loved our time... um in Sweden and in Norway. I want to go back so bad, but also I have a real life and it sucks. I I just want to live in Stockholm. I'd I'd I live there. Hey Constance, sponsor me. Just kidding. <laughs> you're going to you're going to live in her like closet or something. She'll let you live there. 
I don't know. But Sweden is amazing. I loved it the most of all of the things. But it was all great. Um, and it was so great seeing our friend Eric. We got a skate. Eric was shredding. I just was bummed that Amsterdam doesn't really take cashless situations. So that was like interesting. Yes, that was interesting. Sorry, Eric. We saw Aaron from Australia in Amsterdam. So that was kind of fun too. Um, So where's our next trip going to be, everybody? I think you should weigh in. Tell us where we need to go. And we'll uh, maybe go there and see what we can see. Yeah, if anybody like needs a a group piano masterclass, I can ride (laughs) off the trip. I'll got, come and teach I you piano. Nothing. <laughs> Anita will wrap all of your uh, diabetes foot ulcers <laughs> if you have them. Yeah, let's do that. Let's totally do that. Um, We have something exciting coming up in two days, Mel. We are going to be speaking at an event at the University of Utah. They have a Zoom link if you want to attend, but you don't happen to live nearby. And they're also recording it, so we're going to put it out as an episode later so, so if you forget that's fine. Uh, on the 23rd of may at, i can't remember what time but i think it's at like five five six seven i don't know we should figure that out but also it's on our instagram if you guys want to hop over there and look at that and we'll post it in the widow wives club as well you're interested in that and speaking of the widow wives club you guys should come join us there we have such an amazing group of widows and widowers and people who've experienced partner loss they're really the best they are so, guys, we didn't do our Patreon shout-out for a few weeks. Nobody seemed to care. So we're doing it today. And we're going to be putting it in different locations maybe over the weeks and months in the episode. Ex- experiment city. Yeah. Just like my Oslo murder experiment and my social media Instagram prank experiment. Please go comment anything you want. You can totally play into it. I love it. I just assumed that you had met somebody like at the skate park or something. No, I don't even know what his last name is. What was his first name? Aspen. Oh, that's disappointing. Why? I wanted it to be like Bjorn. Oh. Bjornson or something. Yeah. Everybody wish me well in my new adventures of my life. And I told um, Scott's sister-in-law and, and she told Scott's mom because I was like, hey, just so you guys know, I'm pranking everybody because this is all so dumb. So don't believe it. And they're like, well, we did think you looked really happy. I'm like, well, I always look happy in all of mine. He's just the one in there that is like That's so funny. tilting his head. If you would like to help support the podcast to get the word of the widow out and you don't want to join Patreon, please consider buying us tacos at buymeacoffee.com slash widow we do now. And please give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really helps with the algorithm stuff that we don't understand. Oh, that yes. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, okay. Guys. Should we go take a nap and put have the episode go? Oh, you can have a nap. I'm going to go edit this. Ah. <laughs> you can go to bed at 6 p.m. <laughs> yes. I know. I have a couple hours left. Hi, <laughs> Manita. I'm Mel. We're two young widows. We're just trying to help you figure out widow. We do now. Hi, Anita. Well, hello, Mel. I hear we have a topic today at hand. A tiny hand. <laughs> Those that can't see us don't know that we have little tiny hands. We're waving at each other. Yes. Tiny, tiny hands. Uh, what is our topic, Mel? Our topic is, is it okay to thrive? Hmm. Okay. So uh, where do we begin? Well, let's just talk about the word thrive. I don't think it's in a lot of people's vocabulary, depending on as far as widowhood, what, what point out you are. But there are people who it does affect. So it's possible to thrive. Right, right. So I guess when you say the word thrive, I think the opposite, not the opposite, but maybe the antithesis, because like thrive, opposite of thrive is dead. (laughs) (laughs) But I would say is like survive. And the difference between survive and thrive is survive is just like you're just checking boxes and you're not really finding joy or meaning or purpose in your life. You're just doing 
what you have to do to get by and there's no enjoyment in that. It's really like kind of a joyless, uh, thankless, no fun existence. Yeah, I concur. I'm thinking about my own experience and it just feels like I've been underwater for so long in the mental health department and in also a lot of other ways, I guess, you know, like Mm -hmm. kind of rebuilding your life and figuring out what your new situation is or is going to be. And I feel like a lot of it has been pure survival. Right. I mean, a big victory for me in survival mode is like a friend asked if we could go to lunch And I said, I'll eat lunch with you if you bring it to me and we eat it in my safe place in my house. (laughs) So, so the word thrive seems super far off from that. But I have to say that as I've been doing a lot of work on trauma stuff and just moving through life, I feel like, I don't feel like I'm thriving because a lot of my stuff is still survival, but I feel like right now I'm at baseline. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it almost feels to me like thriving because when I'm not in survival mode, I don't feel the heaviness in my chest and a lot of the same kind of feelings and thoughts that I have when I'm like, I'm underwater, I'm struggling, I don't know if I'll ever be able to function as a typical human. Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Yeah, I remember in the beginning feeling like I've told people my analogy was that I was a root canal tooth, like the outside of me looked like a regular person and I moved like a regular person, you know, and I wore clothes like a regular person. But inside I was like dead, like there were no feelings, no reason to be doing what I was doing. It just felt like I was a vacuum, like devoid, not a vacuum that like sucks up trash, but like a vacuum that has nothing inside of it inert. That's kind of how I felt. Um, And then I remember at one point in time, I was sitting on my front steps and I felt content. And I was like, that's a big step from that feeling of nothing and just devoid of, you know, anything just so decimated. It's like content is kind of a nice feeling. I like this. Like I, and that was kind of one of maybe the first times I felt a glimmer that maybe, I was going to come out of that survival space and into a a space that was better than that. And I don't know if I can say that we're thriving at this point in time or that I'm thriving, but I feel like I'm past just plain surviving. But the tricky thing is I feel like we expect as grievers to like make it past a certain point and then be done with what was behind us. And unfortunately, that's really not how it works. I mean, it's like you maybe see a peak into thrive and then you dip back down into survive and then maybe you find content and then you dip back into survive and it just depends on what's going on around you and like big dates that are coming up or how you know for me how my kids are doing those kind of things throw us back into where we were before which is sometimes really frustrating yeah i think of the word relief and when you're out of survival mode and maybe in the contentment slash baseline area I know for me, I've felt relief and that's almost felt euphoric. And Mm -hmm. then I, like a lot of other humans, (laughs) I'm like, now I'm going to be like this forever. 
And of course, it's not true. And and so sometimes we do have times where where we go back into the survival mode, and it's not like it's necessarily our fault. But life is not linear, as everybody knows. So yeah, I totally agree. I have a question because uh, mm-hmm. you're you're four and a half ish years out. I'm five and a half at the time that we record this. So what what point in your journey was that contentment? I want to say it was about, it was in the summer, in the spring of last year, I want to say. So it was about three years um, when I just felt like this is, this is okay. You know, it's not the worst. So yeah, I think that's when it was. Um, I was outside, my kids were playing outside, they were laughing. You know, I found myself like smiling at what they were doing. And I was like, oh, hmm. yeah, it's really interesting because you know, a lot of people talk about the second year being worse. And then it almost feels like it's prescriptive for that to happen. And we've talked about this before that you didn't have that experience. And I feel like sometimes people don't want to say that it's not as bad because number one, they're worried they're doing it wrong or something. And number two, they don't want to make like the other people who are having a harder time like feel bad. I don't know. Or three. And this kind of gets right to the heart of, is it okay to thrive? They feel like if they're doing okay, then it must mean something about how much they love their person. Because like, have you heard that quote? Grief is basically grief is as big as the person as the love you had for that person, which makes it then feel like if you are doing well, then you must not have loved your person. Because if you had such big love, then you should have sorrow forever. Yeah. And that seems like, I don't know if that's a helpful statement when you think of it that way. That's such a weird statement when I think about it. And also yeah. as somebody, like you said, that my second year was not as horrible as my first year. I do feel that when people say the second year is harder, I feel like I shouldn't say anything like, you know. But not for me. Not for me, right? Because I'm like, well, I know like hard is hard. In, yeah. in this situation anyway and it's different but um yeah and and I don't even know if I think anything was wrong with me but I did look back and say oh well I had all these other factors that were ongoing at the same time so it makes sense why a lot of it was settled by year two so yeah whatever your experience has been of course nobody's doing anything wrong it just is what it is mm-hmm. and I think the, the quote that you said about grief being as big as the person or as big as the loss is really interesting because here's what happened to me after Scott died. Of course, it's so traumatic. And as we know, and because remember when you talked to Dr. Mark Goulson? Uh-huh. And we were Dr. asking... Dr. Morose, that was his name. Oh, yeah, Dr. Morose. Yeah. And we were asking him, is there a time limit or a time period where it's no longer considered a a grieving that situation. Like what if you're 10 years and you were just not functioning well? And he said, well, if that's the case, then there are underlying things that are adding to this. And I've noticed that that's been my situation Hmm. because as I've gone through therapy with Scott's death, a lot, it's like, it breaks you open. I know that people understand this. It's like things that you had underlying that maybe you were able to kind of push down and maybe you were not even aware of, or they're sub- subconscious in your mind. It all comes to the surface when your person dies. And, and that's been so fascinating to me because I'm looking and I'm like, oh, okay, five and a half years. Like, look at all of the struggles I've had. My mental health was the worst years, three and a half to four to like a couple months ago to six <laughs> right now. Well, I feel pretty good right now. And, and the stuff that has come up in therapy are all underlying things. Like that could be from stuff growing up. I know that a lot of people really can connect with childhood trauma or just childhood experiences being causes for that. I know other people are like, that's bullshit, whatever. And the stuff that I've been working through is stuff that I guess got broken open just from all my whole entire life. So a lot of it was actually childhood stuff or 
uh, abandonment issues. Like if you struggle with abandonment issues and then your person dies to me, I was like, Scott, you abandoned me too. That was like the ultimate abandonment. Totally. And I'm like, of course, it's not logical. He didn't choose to die. Um, And then there are people whose person did choose to die. And it exacerbates those things. So that's kind of helped me to realize, okay, if if I'm not, quote, thriving or even to baseline by a certain point, it's probably for this reason. Not that I'm a bad person, but that was helpful when Dr. Morose said that. And 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 I think that's something to think about. And of course, it's going to vary from person to person. Now, we've also seen, of course, from our friends in the Widow Wives Club, because that's a protected space and it's private, people have been able to say, hey, I'm actually feeling pretty good. Is there something wrong with me? Like, I feel like, like I know that my experience is different and like I totally, you know, can sympathize with everybody, but is there something wrong with me if I'm like, I actually feel like I'm doing well. I yeah. think that's a hard, it's not hard to be in that place, but it also is kind of mind bending. Yeah. Well, and just like that quote I said before, I feel like when people think of grief in those terms, it feels almost like you're betraying your person if you start to feel happiness again. And for some people, there's almost this desire to hold on to the pain because moving forward with your life or moving past that pain is in a way leaving your person behind. It feels like you are leaving them behind where they are going to stay because, you know, their life ended in such and such a year and they can't come with you in the living realm. So I think it, I think like you said, it's mind bending. It kind of really messes with your, your thoughts and your feelings because of course, most humans want to be happy. Like they want to find happiness. It's kind of what we're programmed to do. And so when you're kind of trying to um, find that balance of, not feeling like you're leaving your person behind and honoring your pain because it connects you to that person. It's it's really it's a really tricky thing to do. And then there is this societal expectation. We've talked about this in a lot of different realms, but if you're too happy too quick, then you're judged. If you're too sad for too long, you're judged. And it's like you can't you actually can't win no matter what you do. It reminds me of a Ricky Nelson song, I think, <laughs> that he wrote about his night at Madison Square Garden. And now I have to look up the quote. Hold on. <laughs> actually very pertinent. Hold on. It makes it makes sense in the context. So the chorus to the song is but it's all right now. I learned my lesson well. Can't please everyone. So you gotta please yourself. And it's so true. It's hard because yeah. there's a lot of expectations, you know, that we put on ourselves or others put on us. And so there's that. Here's something that's interesting. I know that we identify as widows and our experience is centered around that. I've heard with, this is specifically from a friend of mine that had a lung and heart disease. And she was so sick for so long and she had a blog and a lot of support like public support and her condition eventually went into remission and then one of her blog posts was about who am i without this condition being this way and she talked about grieving it and not that our widowhood condition goes away like the event always will have happened but we do move through time with it And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that grieving, acute widowhood, I guess, grieving grief. What would you call it? Well, I, I I don't know what I would call it, but grieving grief is kind of, yeah, grieving your identity as, as a griever, as that starts to become, and we've talked about this too, like your, what you explain yourself in your, like in your Instagram bio, like your top five words. And, and when you're first a widow, it's like number one, like that's the most important thing that's happened in my life. And then as time goes on, and as you add more to your life and you have new experiences, maybe it's not in your top five. And then do you grieve that that part of you is now not part of you? I don't know. Like That's also kind of a yeah. weird thing to think about. 
But I do think yes. People have asked me if because we do widow podcasts and we run grief support groups and we're daily in the widow community, if that's held, I guess, I guess they asked us if it's held us back or held, held me back maybe at the time and, and kind of keeping us like in that I, I guess the question was meant to be like, are you wallowing, basically? <laughs> That's or a great did, word. does this prevent you from moving forward? And for me, I don't think so because I don't, I just don't think so. Um, I can see why, yeah, it does add to keeping those experiences of others and people who are going through those things close. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe, but I don't feel like I wallow because of that. I feel feel like just more connected to the widow community. Yeah, that's something I've had to spend some time thinking about too. You know, is it something where if you're always really, you know, like half of my Facebook and Instagram is grief, you know, people who are experiencing different things about grief. And it's just like, if that's all you ever, you know, are intaking, then is that all you think about? And I think it changes from a place where you're looking for support to a place where now you're trying to provide support. Um, And so I think it has switched for me a little bit. Like in the beginning, it was like I needed to read other people's things so I could be like, yes, me too. Like I'm normal. I'm fine. And now it's more like I'm here and I can say like, yes, that happened to me too. And I can be the person to kind of help other people, I think. And also I look at people like uh, Michelle Neff Hernandez, who is the founder of Soaring Spirits and Camp Widow. And she's what, like many years out of widowhood. I don't know how many, but it's like 15, 20 years. And she still is, um, she's still very much a part of the widowed community. And I, she's living, she's thriving in her life. So it's not holding her back. It's not keeping her in that acute grief phase. So I think that it is possible to be able to still stay connected to the grief community and not make it so you're just reminded of your own grief and you can't move forward, if that makes sense, what I'm saying. One thing that is really impressive to me about Michelle is how she has language still and knows all the ins and outs of fresh grief because I know that you and I we're you know we're not as far out as she is and so sometimes like as we're healing like we forget some of those things so yeah yeah and it's she's just done it in such a beautiful way um living her life that thriving she's repartnered she's helping people all over the world and and she's not afraid to call herself a widow or to talk about her experience yeah and there's like a a lot of the things that she do a lot of the things that she does uh give a lot of purpose to her life too you know like it's great to have a a mission and to be able to help somebody because you know how awful it is once you've lived that so i think it's cool and she has lots of other aspects of her life as well i like how we're like dissecting michelle right now question mm-hmm. in your opinion yes what does thriving look like Yeah. So that's a good question. And I think it goes back to the very beginning when we were talking about, I think it's a feeling, it's a feeling of purpose and a feeling of finding joy and meaning in maybe not big things in life, but little things in life and, and a desire to like continue building your life, you know, not just a, like, I'm here because I have to be here and I'm here because I have to do this, but like wanting to build and add experiences and um, things that you're able to accomplish here on this planet. So, I mean, I think it looks different for everybody because everybody has different goals and things that give them purpose and meaning and make them feel like they can find some happiness and some things that are like reasons to be here. What do you think it looks like? Um, Agreed that it's going to look different for everybody, blah, blah, like everything, right? Uh, let me see. Hmm. I think there are several aspects to it. Let's talk about physical, emotional, mental. Physically, I think thriving is not you're in bed all the time. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds kind of rad too sometimes. It is like, rad. 
It is right. very uh, re- relaxing, except for when your mind is going nuts. But so I think you're you're able to get up and physically do things, and and you might not feel a heaviness. Maybe you can feel a heaviness at times, but you're still able to move through it. And I think that part is, a li- I don't know about confusing. Maybe it just can be a conundrum because like you said, finding meaning, I found meaning immediately after Scott died, but I was not thriving. Mm-hmm. I was still surviving. And, and even doing our podcasts and groups and, and all that stuff, I'm not, not thriving, you know? So, so that, if I just look at it that way, I'm like, interesting. Like I, I look like maybe my output was was thriving, but I was in survival mode. Um, and I, with the mental and emotional stuff, I think that's a huge part of it too, because if we don't feel like we are doing very well in our head, of course we're not thriving. So uh, I think it, it can it can go in all of those facets. Thriving mentally, and emotionally, I think if you are stable in an emotional stable state, that's good, a good place to start from. I remember uh, for a couple of years that, I, I don't know, this might be a super weird artistic thing to say it this way, but when I would hear words that I knew before Scott died, like joy, happiness, they almost had a different color to it. And I never would think of those words before as having a color, but I remember the words joy and happy really felt completely different to each other in my mind than they did before. Um, and and even when I would feel happy and I would feel joy, it had a more rich hue to it, I guess. I don't know if this even makes sense. And, it but it's almost like I earned it. It mm-hmm. was harder for me to get, and so it meant more. But at the same time, I still had all the backstory of all the pain and and still some of the pain in my body. And so I'm like, I, you know, it's like the duality thing. I'm like, I'm feeling both of these things, but like the, the color of this feels different. It's like darker and richer in a way. So, um, but thriving could mean so many things. Like it could mean your therapist is like, you've graduated. <laughs> or it could mean that, uh, you are able to physically and mentally do your tasks and feel like you're still above water. And yeah, maybe when you, you're others, or maybe you're not. When you say though that you can like finish your tasks, you know, like that to me sounds like surviving. Like I feel like you can finish your tasks and then you have some left over for the things that make you feel happiness in life. Probably want to know something funny about tasks and me anyway, when I'm doing my best and my hap- I'm my happiest, I don't get anything done. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I love my life. And, and I'm more productive actually when I'm not doing well. It's weird. Yeah. In, it, to a point, to a point. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I wanted to say something about you talking about the color of joy and happiness, because I do, I think that that is like a very visual and almost like a kinesthetic idea. And in the beginning, when Jason first died, joy and happiness were like a very gray color to me. Like they just seemed like they were not possible. They were like muted, gone in like not attainable. And I think that it's really normal for people in the beginning to feel offended by the idea of thriving. Um, Like there is a point in time where supporting people who are grieving is not telling them that one day they're going to thrive again. You know what I'm saying? It's not like it's going to be better in the future. It's just being like, yes, right now you're not feeling any joy and you're not feeling any happiness and that's totally normal and I'm not going to try and cheer you up and I'm not going to tell you that it's going to be better in the future. Like there's a time period where it's okay not to thrive. It's okay not to even be trying to thrive. It's just okay to survive and it's up to you to kind of figure out when you're wanting to look for maybe some ways 
or be open to the idea of thriving again, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. And remember the early parts of widowhood where we feel like we're sociopaths and sometimes we're like, I'm so happy. I remember being totally happy for 10 days and I was like, I have no cares in the world. Yeah. And then of course it tanked and went the opposite way. Um, I could see maybe at that time I would have said, I'm thriving. Yeah. And that to me just means I don't have bad feelings and I feel happy feelings. Mm-hmm. And then it evened out and it all got to the gray area like you're talking about. And I remember uh, I would have situations that I would have before Scott died, like one of my friends coming to visit from out of state. And I, it's like my body remembered how I used to greet her and how I would interact. And it was markedly different the first couple times she came out. And I remember being like, I just need you to not be alarmed. Um, but I feel like my emotions in the happy realm are very muted and, and they're hard for me to get to. So, and I just assumed it would be that way my whole life forever and ever. Cause of course it's so big, this stuff's so big. I love that you said that too. And you alluded to this before also, like for those people who are in that survival mode and you think that that's going to last forever and you're never going to feel any different like all emotions, all stages of life are temporary. So it doesn't mean that you need to try and like get to that spot or that you need to try and beat yourself up or it's not okay for you to be in that spot, but also no, nothing lasts forever. No emotion lasts forever. I want to know something interesting that has just happened and I've been taking note of it mentally. Yes. So I know on the podcast I've said, I don't have a connection to music anymore. I hate it. It's the worst, right? I have found it again. Oh, yay. And I never thought again it would happen because also I realized that a lot of the connection was tied to touring and to stress and travel and sickness. Hauling gear, which I hate hauling gear always still. But recently I started doing playing the bass and it's it's also it's lighted up certain parts of my brain that helped me to feel happy feelings, but, uh, but also it's helped me to connect with my friends again. And here's the other thing that like this all stems into itself. Um, like I mentioned, some of the issues I've dealt with are abandonment issues. I've felt abandonment from prior relationships, from Scott's death. My dad died. So I've had a very, interesting relationship with friendship even because of that and with music now a lot of my friends are musicians and they've always been there for me i have a lot i have like this crew of 60 year old men musicians bass players and drummers because that's we're the rhythm section players i don't know and we've always been friends for years and now that my head is starting to be more clear and, and i mean more clear as like over a span of years, not right. just acutely, I'm able to seem like, oh my gosh, those friends never abandoned me. Because even if you would ask me this two months ago, I would be like, males equal abandonment. I was so pissed about all of it. And and I was just like, I just don't think I trust people that are in the male category because they always end up abandoning me. Obviously, when we're going through pain, like there are things that are when are they're painful, sometimes we're only able to see that. But now that I am kind of coming out of it, um, music is coming back. I'm able to play with my my musician friends more. They're all guys. They're all like safe people. They've been there the whole time. Um, and my mom even reminded me the other day. Remember the day Scott died? Who was all stand, standing around your bed? Name, 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 name. And I'm like, I talked to all of those guys every single day, almost maybe every other day, but like they're in my life weekly and sometimes every other day. And so that's been interesting. And I think maybe I could put that in the category of either thriving or starting to thrive um, because I never thought I would get music back ever. Uh, I never thought I would find enjoyment in it because, you know, also when you do it for your job, it's like, ugh, you know, you get burnt out, but 
um, that group of friends, we've also been skiing together. And that's something that's been new in our friendship. And so just the last few months, we've all, I wouldn't say reconnected, but Ben, it's helped me to heal by having them there. And, and we do music, but we also do something that's different than music. And so I feel like that's enhanced my life and brought me a lot of joy, like true joy to where I'm like, oh, this is also helping me to see that all, you know, even though I've put males in the abandonment category, here's this pack of guys that's never abandoned me. I think it's really an interesting idea and we've talked about this before, how we also don't see our progress in the moment. Like you almost have to look back on your progress to see like how far you've come. And I feel like that's true also almost of needing an outsider's perspective as well. Like, for instance, your mom pointing out to you like, hey, like, look at look at this and and see this perspective. And you're like, oh, you know what, maybe I am moving towards like the thriving category and I didn't even recognize it because sometimes it's hard when you're in in your own body and in your own experience to maybe see some of those changes. So that's kind of interesting. You feel any of those kind of shifts so far? Yeah, I mean, I really do. And I don't think that there's like, I can't be like, I like music again. Um, but there's just more times just like I talked about that contentment, there's more times where I find myself like wanting to do something or laughing or planning something that's fun for me or for the kids and and feeling like I'm having a, a good time, you know, that everything isn't the worst all the time and everything isn't a chore. And that's not to say that it's not hard. Like it's still hard. I'm still responsible for a lot. And all of this is really hard. It's still really hard to be a widow, but I don't hate it like I used to hate everything all the time. And everything was like, because I'm a widow, I hate everything about my life. Like now I'm like, I hate parenting because parenting is hard, right? I I mean, I hated parenting when Jason was alive. Like parenting was hard the whole time. And it doesn't all have to be just about being a widow. Like some of it can be unrelated. But on that same note, I feel like sometimes I don't want to admit that I'm moving towards thriving. And this is why. Because I feel like mostly the outsider, the muggle community, and maybe even within the widowhood community, if you say, like, I'm doing really well, then people are like, oh, great, like, we're done, bye, like, we don't need to support you, we don't need to, we don't need to try and understand the struggle it is or the heartache or the pain that you have, like, people just declare you healed, and then they're done giving you any sort of consideration because of the situation that you're in. And I don't want that either. I want to be able to like have my struggles and have people see the difficulties and the like heartbreak that I still experience with grief and with my kids and their grief. And to be able to say like, and she's doing and, you know, and, and she's got a lot of wins going on, a lot of triumphs, but it's not over either. Yeah. If that makes sense. I like how you use the word healed in there because I think a lot of us equate thriving to healed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, look at like freaking Lance Armstrong that won all the things and then everyone could say he's thriving, thriving and living the dream. And then boom, look what happened. He's a cheater. <laughs> Busted. They're all cheaters. Go watch, go watch Icarus on Netflix. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that is an interesting thought, though, too, is that there is there such thing as being healed, right? I don't I don't know if there is, but I think that you can say that you're thriving and you can still have struggles that are widowhood or grief related directly. And we still need help. Like I can be thriving and I still need somebody to come help me with my sprinklers. You know, I can be thriving and still be like, I need help because I can't be in two different places at once, you know, things like that. So. I think thriving is a weird word because it seems like it's a destination. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would there be a better word or phrase? Like, no, I don't know. I'm doing, I'm doing well right now. Yeah. I've, it's been going well for a while and I'm feeling happiness. Like what oh, else? are you saying? Like if somebody asks you how you're doing? Yeah. Because like, if someone walked up to me and they're like, you're thriving, I'd be like, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> Financially, hey, that's a big no. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I would have feelings if somebody came up to me and told me I was thriving too, because I feel like that's a very personal declaration, right? You can't you can't tell somebody else they're thriving because you don't know what's happening in their their bed at night or in their shower or you know, like in those those private moments where you're not on public for other people to see. They don't see the, you know, the small things and the and the difficult things. They only see at the soccer game or whatever. And they're like, you're thriving. And you're like, want to punch you in the face because no, I'm not. Like I put on pants today backwards, but I did put thriving. on pants. <laughs> Here's what's funny. People look at my skateboarding stuff and they're like, whoa, you're doing so amazing and this and that. And I'm like, all of that effort is only to get rid of rage and anger. Yeah. And so it's funny because I'm like, what? And I'm like, oh, they see the ramp built. They see that I'm doing skill. And I'm like, totally. Like, if I didn't have the emotional part of it, totally it's awesome. And it's a pretty big feat. And it's kind of hilarious when I look back on it. So, yeah, I think that the different components are going to be different for per person and and thriving doesn't mean in all of the facets either you can be poor like me and (laughs) thriving in a way that you just notice that you like music again and that your friends have always been there when you forgot that they were there i definitely think it can be paradoxical right like some of those things that appear to be thriving are actually you're doing them to survive um and i think a little bit of that is talking about it, you know, and explaining that it's not really thriving. And I also think that we can feel like we aren't thriving and thriving at the same time. Like we're kind of like coming in and out of that. So yeah, but I I know, I know it's possible because I know so many widows who say that they really like their life. Like they're really happy in their life. And I've even met a few of them who say they like their life better now than they like their life before. Really? Tell me more. I mean, and it's not even it's not even people like you could be like, oh, you know, it's probably because they were an abusive marriage or, you know, something like that. But I know I know a lot of people who it's usually people who have been out of, you know, in widowhood for a long time. And they're like, my life is I have a wonderful life now. And I feel like I have a happier life even than I did before. And probably just because like there's more experiences to them and they've had more time to create relationships and have family and um, and and people have been able to like deepen those relationships and the experiences of their life. So, I mean, I think it's totally possible and I think it's okay to do that too. I don't think you need to feel like you're betraying anybody if you're doing well. Like there's no shame in that either. Totally. I think it would be good to talk about somebody that's listening to this that's like, there is no way Thrive is going to be in my vocabulary ever what do I do? So let's talk about some of those aspects that maybe are not going to even get you to baseline level, but maybe we'll just help you through your survival period. Yeah. I totally felt like deep down in my heart, right after Jason died, I knew that it was going to be okay someday. And that my only job was just to hang on. Like, and a lot of times I felt like it was like by one teensy little fingernail that I was just holding on. Um, but like the whole thought in my head was just like, you just have to hold on, like, just keep holding on and you're going to be okay. And I feel like that has, has happened. Like I've held on for a really long time and then it felt like, okay, like I have a better grip, you know, it's not just my fingernails, like my fingers are on there. And the tricky thing is, is that then you get like massive forearm muscles through this whole process too, right? (laughs) Like mine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so interesting because I... Remember, I never felt that or thought that. I knew that it would be okay because I'd been through stuff before anyway. And I'm like, I know there's a process to this, but I just kept feeling so beaten down over years and years and years with different crazy situations. And then of course, like, let's like add death to it. Why not? That <laughs> um, I just was like, this is never ending. Like it's yeah. never gonna end. And so I was resentful when people would tell me that it would be okay. Like the oh, last thing I want to hear is like that, but um, yeah, I think if you're in deep in it right now, it super sucks, and you're there. Like acknowledge that you're there. 
If you don't want to hear that it's going to be okay someday, that's okay. If you do, and that gives you some hope, listen to what Anita's story was about that, about how maybe it's not entire hands that you're holding on by. Maybe it's one little pinky of your, your non-dominant hand. Yes. For well, sure. And I did not like people telling me it was going to be okay either. I felt like it was like... It's just like, you know, you know something, but also everything is screaming that that's not true at the same time. Like I was like deep down, like, I know we're going to be okay. I don't know what okay looks like. I don't think I'm going to be, I didn't think I was going to be happy again. Like I didn't ever think that I would be probably in the thrive category, but I thought I would be in like the, the, like you said, baseline or just like existing category. Um, I did not like people telling me that either i thought that that was like rude (laughs) (laughs) but i know some people do like to have that reassurance as well i think that's important what you said that it's like you know eventually it's going to change and i think that's another part of it too that we don't want to either realize or we wish we could speed it up or slow it down is time from the traumatic event yeah that's what creates space it's not just time either though um it's i would say it's like experiences that add up over time right like if you were to be put in a like in a coma for two years and wake up like it's not going to be any better when you wake up but because those experiences add up and you have more life without your person and you learn like how tough you really are and like how amazing and how hard it is and all of those things that you didn't want to learn then you start to create that space and you said this before it's like you don't know when you're in the middle of it Mm -hmm. what's going on and then you can look back and say oh look at what i did holy cow so that's one thing that you can count on is time passing and as you go through different experiences like they accumulate and you have you have that to give you some feedback i guess then there's finding your people because we know that community helps people to feel like they belong and that they are connected and that they're important. If you don't, if you don't feel like you're important in the world, you need people. Yeah. Oh, that makes me sad that people don't feel important or needed in the world. So yes, come find your people. I felt like that. And I've been in a huge bunch of communities, you know, so, you know, you're, you know, it can go, it can vacillate and, and shift over time. But yes, finding people that get it and that are okay with you how you are, totally key. Yeah. Well, I think that um, I just want to say to people, like, it's okay wherever you are right now. So if you're in survival, you know what? That's totally fine. If you don't want to hear you're going to be okay, that's okay. If you're an existing, that's okay too. If you feel like you're just starting to poke your head into the thriving category, that's great. You're probably going to go backwards sometimes and that's also okay. And if you feel like you love your life, it's also okay. Like it doesn't mean anything about your grief or how much you loved your person. One thing I want to say is, we've talked about this before because your mom does this, is writing down something every day that you're grateful for. The last thing we feel like doing sometimes is being grateful, but it's so helpful, especially when you look back. And and like Anita just said, when when you feel like you might be thriving and then time goes by and you're like, dang it, I'm not. If you write things down of your own experience pretty often, you'll be able to see, oh, there were days I didn't think I'd make it and I did. And then there were days which were amazing and then it went back. Mm-hmm. But it is. So one of my friends, he's been through a lot of death of family members and friends. And, and we played together at this church and he's the worship leader there and i'm always like how's it going he's like i gotta go out of town this weekend because i had another friend die and he's our age so he's young he's been through a lot and i'm like you have been through so much like how how do you keep helping others like because he's in a position where he can help others like leadership wise he's like i got to a very dark place at a certain point in my life but now i've realized when things are bad, there's always a little bit of good. And when things are good, and he goes, this is the key. When things are good, you have to always remember there's a little bit of bad. And then it will always go back, back and forth. Yeah. It's like, huh, that's so wise. That was wise. Thanks, death, for teaching us wisdom. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> also, can we talk about exercise? 
if you don't feel like exercising, just go around the block, please. Yeah. Just go to your mailbox. Mm-hmm. Yep. Go see the sun. Anyway, everyone, we're so glad to count you as our friends, even if we haven't met you. And wherever you are at, it's okay. Yeah. It sucks sometimes, and it's awesome sometimes, and it's a whole lot of gray at other times. So yeah. we're, we're there with you. I think it's mostly in between. I think that sometimes we wish it was one side or the other, but like life is mostly lived in the between and that's where we are all now, probably. If you need to find your people, where should they go, Anita? Uh, The Widow Wives Club on Facebook. It's our private group. Just answer all the questions. And then we have a lot of subgroups too. You can join into great fun and also some misery. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, it's been great to chat and I guess we'll see you next time. I'm Mel. I'm Anita. We're two young widows who are somewhere between surviving and thriving, and we're all just trying to figure out widow. Be two now. Well, this is fun. We're going to start with our newest wedded friend who's one of our patrons, and that's Constance. David Kelly. Don Satterwhite. Emily Wiesenberg. Wow. I got it right. Evelyn Flores. Gail Bell. Good job remembering. Heather Mullins. Ivan the Meisner. Kat. Krista Waite. Maya Glasser, our favorite rabbi. Neil Hooper. Becky Zeba. Sam Finlayson. Karen Cornejo. Alexis King Odello. Amber Alanez Vela. Amy Hartman Martell. Amy Neal. Ashley Hahn. Barbara Schneeberger. Okay, is it Becky Loiters? Loiters? Lo- Becky. Becky Loiters. Becky L. Berkeley. Brandy Younger. Brittany Pedro. Chris Steffen. Cindy Wilkerson. Connie Remich. Danielle Catterberg. Not a Debbie Downer. Dennis Brazo. Jean Marie Massey. J2. Jenny Taylor. Jennifer Beale. Jennifer Brown. Karen Lindsay. Hey, Karen. Hi. Carol Schultz. Lara Aguirre Penner. Leah Johnston. Lisa Hardman Powell. Lou Clausen. Auntie Marie Hoffman. M.K. Anderson. Meg Murto. Patricia Wiest. Rachel Barbosa. Sarah Morris. Simone Fu. Sunshine Haven. Alicia McAllister. Amy Burke. Anne Drennan. Anna Tracy. Audrey Henniger. Christina Scambato. Christine Anderson. Cindy Reno. Don Barber. Debbie Fells. Deborah Westwood. Doris Reichel. Eileen Stevens Dem. Wait, was that right? I think so. Ish. Emily Toledo. Eric Vandermulen. Yeah. I hope your elbow is okay. Oh yeah. Get them. Sent me a picture. It looked so gnarly. I know. Yeah, he earned that though. Very proud of you, Eric. And (laughs) Aaron Stage Ten Klinger Posick. Gabe Lozano. Gia Benoit. Gina Haas. Ian Cini. Oh, my favorite Jackie. Jan Colarusso Seely. My mom. A secret patron. Jennifer Davis. Jenny Armstrong. Jennifer Dickinson. Well, hello. Oh, welcome. Jenny Barrow. Jennifer Sanders. What? Yeah, you skipped one. Oh. There's two Jennifers right oh, now. Oh, I thought someone got married and I didn't know that their name changed, but I just read the wrong one. Jenny Dippold. Jocelyn Milo. Johnny Walker. Judy Malkin. Julie Stevenson. Karen Ochoa. Karina Jacobo. Kathy Mary. Did you say Mary? <laughs> Katie did. Getz. Katie Radcliffe. I was hoping Katie. you wouldn't notice. I totally noticed. Katie Saucier. Is that how you say it? Uh, sounds so fancy. Does sound. And hello, Katie. Uh, Kara. Kara the Scara. With the neon pink wig. Kevin Ferry. Chris Morgan. Laura Bradbury. Laura Keeley. Laura C. Linda. Yes, Lindsay Kanopka. Marjorie Lewis. Marianne Hammond. Marianne McDonald. Mary McGowan. Melissa Bowers. Melissa Hancock. Missy Muirstein. Naomi Brown. Rachel Tang. Rebecca Olamaker. Robin Flam. Stacy Saywert. Tammy Terravest. Tara Urban. Welcome. Oh, hello, Tara. Trenton Thompson. The Valerie Packer of Doom. And finally, international, globe-trotting Wendy. Did you know that she is Norwegian? You told me that. Yes. Yeah. It's so cool. Uh, thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon. 
we really, like really couldn't do this without you. So we appreciate it so much. And it also helps the people who aren't able to participate in Patreon to have the podcast for themselves. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what well, is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So. If somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.